welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. Um, today, we're going to talk about some stuff that was inspired by our recent trip to uh, to Belgium. We were in Ghent for KitCon Europe 2019. My favorite conference. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, this is a conference that uh, I organized along with uh, my friend PJ, and we've been doing it now for a, a good long time. And this is actually the conference that you and I met in uh, way back in 2006. Absolutely. And our inspiration today is a, a session that you attended, and um, we'll talk about where we came up in there. And uh, in particular, the, the tie-in to one of my favorite questions, something that I often ask the team that I work with is, well, why can't we ship it today? Uh, and this ends up being a very uh, useful question to ask, and um, we, we uncover a lot and, and generate a lot of new options. Mm-hmm. And what was this the session that you were in? And this is actually, I think, one that you proposed. Is that right? Well, it was kind of a combination of these um, stories we're going to tell came up in a couple of different sessions, which were largely about um, organizational change, why people resisted the change, and um, what people had done about um, creating changes where they thought it was useful and the team thought it was useful, but there was some barrier. And that's why I like your question, because it um, un uncovers those barriers nicely. And uh, we uh, had uh, three different examples that came up in the session about um, how people had answered, answered your question, why can't we ship it today, in different ways, and what they had done about it. And what I'm hoping for our listeners is that in in this uh, in these three stories is that we're going to talk about different people in different parts of the organization, uh, all of whom are are sort of trying to, as you say, trying to answer that question, and then how they went about doing it. So that uh, it's kind of no matter where you are, hopefully that at least one of these tools might be useful to you. Mm -hmm. The first story that you were talking about was the one where um, why, why can't we ship today? The answer was it's not discussable. Uh, what, yep. what was that scenario? So in this case, the person was in quite a large organization, was uh, trying to help a, a, a subset of that organization to move more quickly, or, or rather they didn't even identify the problem as not moving quickly enough. Uh, they just said, We're, we don't seem to be very good. We don't seem to be uh, uh, achieving business goals. And this person's assessment was that the uh, the problem was speed, that if, if the answer could be, uh, uh, we can ship it today. If that was the attitude of the team, then then they would be more successful. But that wasn't commonly accepted. That wasn't a belief that other people shared. So the idea of, of going faster wasn't really something anyone talked about. So the technique that the team used was to create a value stream map. So if that's a new idea to listeners, we'll have a link in the show notes. The basic idea is that you create a... Uh, a kind of the story of your product. And this is often used in the creation of physical products. So if you're making a, a classic example is a, a aluminum can, a, a Coke can for soda of some variety, uh, but it could be a car, it could be a mobile phone, it could be um, logs at a you know, lumber yard, any item that you're going to be creating, you uh, map all the steps between, for example, in the case of the aluminum can, the, the bauxite in the ground, which uh, is the ore from which you get aluminum, uh, putting that on a, on a barge and taking it to a refinery, um, say, uh, smelting it and creating the actual aluminum. I hope you smelt aluminum. I don't actually know. Um, <laughs> and uh, all the steps that go along. And what you discover most frequently is that there are lots and lots of waiting steps. So as you go, 
um, you have to uh, pile up all the the ore on the on the dock, and then wait for the barge to show up, and then um, you put it on the barge, and then you have to pile it up outside the the smelting facility and and wait for the fire to get hot enough. And there there are lots and lots of steps where you're waiting, and there are only a small number of value adding activities, and this is a small percentage of the time. And the way you apply this to software is the same idea. You start with an idea of what your software could do, some change that you'd like to make. And when you draw this map, it's often depressing because you look and you say, we don't even have to wait for a barge. You know, there's no physical thing out there someplace that we're waiting for, but we're waiting for uh, our item to get prioritized. We're waiting for design completion. We're waiting for user research. We're waiting for um, the the test team in some faraway place to, to run the tests. And you find all these places where you're waiting and the actual value adding steps of, hey, maybe we should write some code that uh, uh, allows users to log in in one step or whatever the new feature is. Uh, that part takes a very small proportion of the time between when you had the idea and when you actually started to get some money from it. And I think that's that's the interesting part here is you're, you're capturing that full end-to-end uh, workflow, you know, going from, as you say, from the idea, you're not, you're not looking at just sort of like, well, how long did it, did the sprint last or how long did it take that feature? What was the estimate of the work? You're focusing on the entire end to end part. Mm-hmm. And the, the situation for the person who was telling the story was that once the, he'd created the value stream map, um, he, he was able to start these discussions and start people talking about why it was that, in his case, it was uh, on the order of 200 days between having an idea and making some money from it. And um, he could ask questions like, is, is that okay? Is that a problem? And what, what he said was most typical, this is a very typical response. He said, a lot of people got mad at him. <laughs> he said, why are you bringing this up? I don't want to talk about that. You know, this is annoying. You know, why, why, are, you, uh, why are you blaming me? You know, that kind of response. But uh, as the topic began to be a discussible one and it was something that people could ask, they said, where, where are we on the value stream map? Oh, we're at step 17. Does that mean we have to wait four months before the next step? <laughs> uh, that, that led to a discussion that helped uh, the team make slow improvements. That's it. that's great. And so he so he would describe this that ultimately this was successful that people got aligned that they should in fact try to reduce this this two hundred uh, day number down to something smaller. Indeed, and and he, they're they're making slow progress in that direction. He, he would say it's in the progress in the process of being successful. Well, good. And it, you know what? This is a uh, something I've, I've seen. I remember coming across this, I think, uh, in the Lean uh, software uh, book from the Poppendikes very early. Might have been one of my earliest exposures to value stream maps. One thing that makes a good match for, for Agile is that because you are looking end-to-end, you tend to get outside of traditional silos. So rather than looking in, inside, look, well, how long does something spend within the development silo or the deployment silo or the testing silo or you know, requirement silo. Or marketing. Or marketing, or exactly. Integration with customer systems. Yeah. You you start you start looking across all these and now start to say, you know, we're all going to try to solve this problem. And once once you've made a, a shared problem, you're much more likely to get a, a systematic solution that's that's going to optimize the whole thing rather than just optimizing your sub pieces. Mm-hmm. And and one thing I really like about this story is that this person didn't have to have a leadership role or access to leadership. He could just draw the map and say, what do you think about this? That that created the discussion that was helpful. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully that's something that is an option that's available to uh, all of our listeners. Mm-hmm. 
So that was our first story about, uh, you know, why can't we ship today? Well, it's not discussable. Um, the next one, you know, kind of is more concrete and hands-on, uh, which is someone where the answer might have been, well, we don't know how. Can, can you tell us about that one? Indeed. So uh, this was a team where um, it was it was more team focused. So in the first case, it was kind of the whole company didn't understand that 200, even the number 200 days uh, idea to cash. They, they didn't know that number, didn't know it was important. In this team, they were releasing uh, once a month. And interestingly, they were doing patch releases every two weeks. And the team, uh, obviously, for some reason, they were doing these patch releases. And the person who was telling the story said that this was interesting to him and he started to investigate why they did this. And they did this because they needed to respond to customers. So it was pretty clear that this this team, which is not, not the whole organization, so it was a little simpler to, to get access to their thinking. And, and, and they were discussing this topic. They were figuring out how to do next week's patch release because the customers needed a change more quickly. So it wasn't that the idea of moving faster had to become discussable. It was that the team didn't have a concept of what would be involved in going faster. So interestingly, this person used the same technique, used the value stream map, but in a very different way, created the value stream map just for the team. Here's where we start at the beginning of the month, planning out what our monthly release is. Here's how we release it a month later, and here's how we patch it two weeks after that. Uh, these are all the steps and all the places where we wait and asked your question, said, uh, why can't we ship today? Why can't we do this faster? And the, the answer from the team was, we, we don't know. But the value stream map was one of the tech, one of the um, starting places for understanding what we could do differently. Well, here at step four, it looks like we wait for testing. If we automated that particular type of testing, then we wouldn't have to wait. We would, we would wait two minutes instead of waiting two days. And uh, by identifying a number of those, the team was able to move to weekly releases. And uh, they, they had found that valuable. They, they saw the value in doing that, but they hadn't known how before they did the map. I think it was interesting in, in hearing about this story that they, that they had essentially two value streams. They had already had a monthly value stream, uh, and then they also had the you know, uh, fortnightly, the two-week patch release value stream. And and there were both similarities and differences between these, but uh, the idea that you could go in and say, "Oh, look, we have two processes here. Let's let's compare them," uh, was was a point of discussion. And this seems much more concrete. Like, well, why are these different? Mm -hmm. And uh, he, the person described a initial fear of, from the team that they would lose quality, that they would um, release poorly, that they would um, actually slow themselves down. Um, but uh, he found it helpful to point out that, in fact, they were releasing it every two weeks anyway. They just weren't, <laughs> they, they just weren't calling it releasing. They, they just had a special name for the ones every, uh, every other time. Oh, yeah, this is a patch <laughs> release, so it's okay to do things faster. And he said, why don't we just remove the word patch? <laughs> so it's a, uh, uh, so now in this case where he was using the same tool the value stream map but now for a different purpose rather than to say you know why why are things so long but rather saying oh look maybe the, the distinction we're making here about patch versus non-patch is kind of a artificial one exactly and the value stream map again helped to illustrate how those processes are actually pretty similar just the um, the patch one was faster so that was a existence <laughs> proof that faster was possible right okay and then our our, our third story uh, which is one that i've encountered often is as far as the answer to the question why can't we ship it today and the answer is the person people say well because we need to do it all 
Yep. This is one I know that you, you know intimately. So <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, I was telling the story, uh, I think at KitCon, I'm not actually sure, but um, the example here is that um, the, the team is uh, busy releasing every six months, so at quite a leisurely pace. And uh, there's certainly no problem with it being discussable because the salespeople have given up, literally. Um, so when I went and chatted to sales, they said, oh, we never ask for anything that never gets done. Uh, we just sell whatever we can and hope. So it's clearly discussable. And uh, the team also knew how they, they were able, similar to the patch release case, to, to, to get something out quickly if they needed to. So when I asked the question, why can't we ship this today? Uh, the, the answer was, uh, well, because of the industry we're in, and I'm, I'm not sharing that industry, but you can imagine the kind of very complex, um, highly regulated type of industry uh, that this might be, uh, their belief was that a, only a complete solution would be acceptable, that uh, no customer in any circumstance in, at any time would accept anything other than a perfect gold-plated solution The the founder likes to say uh, they, they always want a Mercedes and um, he, <laughs> he, he'd kind of like a bicycle or even a unicycle. And uh, that's what he would like. But the belief of the organization was that this wouldn't be acceptable to regulators, to, uh, to customers and internally. So we needed kind of an existence proof. We needed a, a concrete scenario um, where doing something less than the Mercedes would be useful. And conveniently, because I was chatting to the salespeople, uh, I, I found out that the team had actually lost a customer. There was someone who uh, wanted to use the system, was, uh, uh, was doing things with it, that said, you don't have this feature. And um, the feature everyone agreed was a, a relatively simple one to do at, uh, in, a, in, a, in a minimum way. Um, the, the fancy version would be quite fancy, but um, the, the unicycle version would not. So the salespeople said, yeah, well, actually, we lost that customer. They, they're, they're not buying because uh, they're, they're not continuing with us because we don't have Feature X. So I went to the team and I said, Feature X seems really simple. <laughs> What's going on here? Why do we need this? And they described this gold-plated, amazing, super-duper version of Feature X that would uh, wash your socks while it com completed the task <laughs> for you. And... Um, I said, couldn't we do something that's that's simpler? Um, and, and one thing that really unlocked it for them actually was uh, talking about lower volumes of data. You can imagine in typical situation, it's it's much much harder to operate on uh, petabytes of data than it is to operate on a few kilobytes of data. And you do need a more gold-plated solution. You do need a Mercedes to handle that situation. But you know, we kind of wanted to get to the corner shop. We didn't want to win the um, the, the Monte Carlo. Uh, road race. So uh, I said, what, what's the low volume version? What could we do? And they said, oh yeah, we could do that in a week. I said, great, I'm scheduling the demo for Friday. Um, so uh, <laughs> they, they were able to complete that and the salespeople were over the moon. In fact, they um, uh, told a couple customers who were absolutely astonished that they were able to, to do this because they got used to the idea that this company could not act quickly. So it, it really turned around the conversation uh, and changed the idea that uh, we, we had to do everything. And, and that was uh, enormous help. You can see this was very transformative of this team, but it was a very different conversation than the, than the previous two. Like, in fact, all three of these uh, conversations are, are, are very different. Um, and I think what's, what's remarkable here is how this idea of, of, uh, of why can't we ship it today is something that hopefully all of our listeners could use and they could, they could ask themselves and they could ask their team. And then there might be very different answers, um, but there's probably a conversation uh, result that would uh, generate interesting information that help you move forward 
in none of these cases was the answer, it was the outcome, great, we're going to ship today. <laughs> none of these went to uh, a, a daily release. But uh, in, in each case, you could get to something that was uh, much better than what they were doing before. Uh, um, advancing the conversation, making some discussable, um, making some concrete suggestions on on how we could do things differently based on what we were doing somewhere else. And then the idea that we could do something much smaller by having a, a concrete example of where that would be valuable. Mm -hmm. um, all three of these things kind of unlocked by this key question. Indeed. Your, your question reminds me of another question you often ask. You, you'll, you'll have somebody say, you'll, you'll ask someone, can, can you come up with three examples? And they really struggle. And you say, great, can you come up with 20? <laughs> and, and actually going farther than um, you're, you're actually needing. So with none of these teams needed daily releases, but asking, why can't we ship it today, unlocks the answer uh, in, a, in a very helpful way. Yep, that's right. So that was a, that was a, the, some uh, war stories from uh, um, some shared at KitCon and, and uh, this one that, that you've brought into it. Um, we'll put some links in the show notes. And then also we have uh, some news for us from the podcast. Is that right, Scroll? Absolutely. So the uh, many of you who are longtime listeners will know that uh, Jeffrey and I are, are working on a book and we've been moving slowly, kind of incrementally. It's kind of like the, you know, go halfway to the wall and then halfway again. And so on. it's like the tortoise story. Um, so we slowly and slowly got there. But we have actually now just yesterday signed a book contract for um, a book called Troubleshooting Agile. It's a working title, but uh, may wind up with something else covering all the sorts of things we talk about on the podcast. And uh, so that's tentatively scheduled for publication in 2020. Uh, Jeffrey and I have to really get our, our, our butts in gear and, and uh, <laughs> ask why we can't write it today uh, because uh, we have a very near-term deadline. So, that's right. Uh, we'll see how that works out, but uh, you could be uh, hearing from us in book form sometime soon. Yep. And, uh, and of course, we'll keep everyone apprised of our, of our progress here. And uh, I, I imagine that we're going to be the ones being asked that question pretty soon. You know, what? Yes. You know, <laughs> by by the editor. Where's chapter seven? Why can't exactly. you ship it today? Uh, exactly. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. We'll, we'll certainly tell the story and share with listeners. So, uh, of course, we always like it when listeners click the subscribe button and, and come back. If you want to hear how the book progresses, do do that in your in your favorite uh, app of choice. We're, we're here every Wednesday, and uh, we'll be back uh, next Wednesday with uh, more on Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Carl. <laughs>